on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. It's such a great day. It's that time of year. I don't know about how often this happens for you, but I get about one really, really good idea per year, and it hit me. Boom! Today, I named this fall's late kick fill-in-the-blank tour. Last year, we did the Renaissance tour, went to a new game every weekend, and it was great. I think they're going to write about it in history books, but this fall, I'm telling you, we're going to do it bigger and better than we ever have before. You will be a part of it. There will be things that you have asked me for for so long that I haven't been able to give you that I will be able to give you this fall. What am I talking about? If you're new here, this makes no sense to you, but don't worry. Stick around. It will. This is the Late Kick Extra podcast. I'm Josh Pate. We're going wall-to-wall mailbag this morning. We do it every Wednesday morning, and that's on top of Late Kick Live, which we do Sunday and Thursday night live on YouTube. You get it Monday and Friday in your podcast feed. So there's a lot going on here. We are in unprecedented territory right now when it comes to the rest of our industry and how this podcast and how this show stacks up. So I'm not going to bore you with all that, but man, the high-level mustaches and management have taken notice, and they've been doing cartwheels, but then they stopped and they said, "Uh uh-oh, that means we got to give them more, don't we? Well, yes, you do. It ain't free to run Pate State over here, especially with what our enrollment numbers are doing, going up, up, up. Hey, there is no limit. Bring everybody you want to to this party. If you like the way we do college football here, if you're kind of tired of the way they do it elsewhere, look, that's the reason I started this show, so I know I'm not alone. Bring them over here. Get 10 friends to listen to it. In fact, I love those messages the most when you DM me and say, I got my friends listening. So, hey, here's what we do this morning. We're doing a mailbag. I put out the call, at Late Kick Josh on Twitter and Instagram. You gave me a ton of good questions here. There's a lot of meat on the bone. So let's dive right in here. We are approaching 100 days until kickoff, ladies and gentlemen. 100 days. I think it's this Thursday. So stop drooling now. Stop drooling. People may be looking. I know it affects me that way too. We'll get there together. Let's dive in. Matt Brown kicks us off. I actually saw him at a rest stop in Mississippi on our way to chase storms in the Magnolia State not too long ago. He's got a PhD. He's way too smart to be listening to this show, but he does it anyway, and I appreciate it. He said, were there any week one point spreads that took me by surprise, maybe some wrong team favored situations? Yes. As a matter of fact, there were a few of them. So if you were unaware... FanDuel, among several of the online sports books, they started to release some of their games of the year. And I put a lot about this out on Tuesday morning. But think about this now. I'm just going to read some of them. This is not an exhaustive list. Alabama's favored by 15 at Texas in week two. That's not a big surprise to me. Uh, Miami goes to A&M in week three. Aggies by nine. That's not a big surprise. Now, I'll tell you the context here. Miami obviously plays in the ACC. They are a bigger underdog against A&M than they are any of their other games. So their toughest game is not even a conference game. Uh, Something else that stands out. I mean, we got to acknowledge this. So like I said, Bama plays at Texas, favored by 15. Bama also plays at LSU. I think that opened at Bama minus 16. 
They also play at Tennessee this year. How about those road games, by the way? They play at Tennessee. Guess what the spread is for Bama at Tennessee? It's Bama minus 14 and a half. Now, that may sound like, okay, that all sounds the same, right? Well, it does if you're an Alabama fan. But now think about the cross data. Think about the reference points there. That means that odds makers are telling you on a neutral field, they would slightly favor Tennessee over LSU. They would slightly favor Tennessee over Texas. Tennessee fans are listening and saying, well, yeah, we're better. The rest of the country doesn't quite feel that way yet. They have not, you know, bought into Josh Heupel and bought in fully to Hendon Hooker and, and this new feel and this new day in Knoxville. So I think that's something that has some people in the betting market talking. But also, Matthew asked, are there any games out there where the wrong team's favored? I'm surprised that USC opened as a favorite at Utah. I think that opened Southern Cal minus three. It was at Southern Cal minus one as of the time I started recording this. I just think the wrong team's favorite. I'm not telling you it should be Utes minus seven or anything like that, but I've got it capped with a solid Utah minus three and a half, Utah minus four. So I already put money on that in the futures market. I think Utah is the better team. They've got home field there, at least as we sit here in May. And I don't know what kind of roster moves USC is going to make. We don't know what kind of injuries there could be between now and then. Uh, That is the nature of betting the futures market. So they've got over 80 games posted over at FanDuel right now. I'm going to really beef up our gambling coverage this fall. But I'm careful with the way I do it. I've told you guys the way I like to stack the show. I like to stack it with a mass audience in mind. And I, I know a lot of you do bet on football. I bet on it too. But I know a lot of you don't. And then there's this group that doesn't bet on it, but you're fascinated by the odds making process and point spreads. And even if you're not going to bet on the Wisconsin game, you want to know whether they're favored and by how many. So I structure late kick in a specific way. We don't dive deep into gambling. However, I'm not limited. There's nothing in my contract that says I can only do X number of shows per week. So I did Friday Night Lines this past fall, which is where I would get into a town and I would do a strictly hardcore gambling chat on Instagram Live. Well, we're going to expand that significantly this year, and it will be more widely available, and it probably won't even just be on Friday nights. So stay tuned for that, because that's not finalized, the plan specifically. The idea is finalized. Uh, So we're going to have a lot more of that. I mean, the Ramen Noodle Express, if it's going to treat us great, I want it to treat as many people as possible great. So stay tuned on that. I know there's a lot of stay tuned this morning, but it won't be May forever. Stay tuned just for a little while longer. Next up here, San Mateo, California, checking in. Does Miami need a top-tier quarterback in their 2023 class for it to still be considered successful for Mario's first full class? I will say they either need one in the class or need to get one out of the portal. Yeah, I feel that way. And I generally feel that way about any new staff coming in. You have what you have, and it's very nice for that to be Tyler Van Dyke for Miami. So certainly staffs have inherited much worse situations. Tyler Van Dyke's the kind of guy you would go get if you didn't have him already. But still, you want to set up for the future. And so with that in mind, yes, they need to bring in a quarterback. Now, it can be, like I said, on the recruiting market or it can be in the transfer market. But they do need to do that because here's the risk you run. The risk you run is you could recruit top five level classes or top 10 level classes. But if you don't have that cherry on top, if you don't have that quarterback, you run the risk of being Texas A&M so far. You run the risk of having a loaded roster, but yet when you go up against other elite teams that have that check market quarterback, you end up having what Texas A&M has had so far. And that's multiple losses per year. You're really good, but you just can't take the step to being elite. You cannot be elite in this game today and be average at quarterback. 
I think people look at the Georgia 2021 run and they may say, oh, that disproves what you just said because they don't have an elite quarterback. Stetson Bennett's not going in the first round of any draft and they just won the national championship. And I'm like, okay, I mean, think about this now in San Mateo, California, if you're driving around, since that's where the question came from, if you're driving around and you're saying that, what are we really suggesting there? Are we suggesting that it's feasible that multiple teams are going to go out and put together the kind of defense that Georgia just put together. Oh, and by the way, still get drug in the conference title game because you couldn't match quarterback play. And then you get into the national championship game and you, I'm not here to litigate which injuries would and wouldn't have changed the game because Georgia won the national championship and they earned it. But my point is in that game, did you see the throws Stetson Bennett made? No, he's not going to go first round. He made some big time throws. They needed big time quarterback play and they got a couple. They got the kind of plays in the second half you would expect from an elite quarterback. So even with the defense Georgia just fielded, they still had to have some big-time offensive pop plays for them to win the national championship. And here's a little spoiler for you. I would bet money. I would put on the Ramen Noodle Express as our first best bet of the year. You're not going to have the kind of defense Georgia just had. I don't think anyone is. That's the point. So if I'm Miami and I'm looking around saying what's most likely to get us there, It is going to be elite quarterback play. We have at least got to be plus to elite at the quarterback position. Otherwise, like I said with Texas A&M, you stand there at the end of the year and you got three losses and you're saying, boy, but I thought we recruited in the top 10. You did. You did, but you didn't account for the most important position on the field. So my short answer would be, yes, they need to go get themselves a big name at quarterback. Odyssey or Odyssey is up next. And I apologize. I mean, I'm horrible with names anyway. I can't remember them. I can't pronounce them. So the initials here are OM. I can tell you he checks in from Pasadena, Texas. And he asks a good question. What is a trend, maybe good, maybe bad, that you see college football adopting in the next few years? Well, I'm going to go with a good one. I'm the glass half full or, as you can hear here, the water jug half full kind of guy. I put a tweet out the other night that said the first thing I do when I'm college football commissioner is I'm going to abolish these pointless and meaningless neutral site games. There's no reason. In fact, I've got, a, I've got a DM to read you in just a second. There's no reason for Tennessee to be playing Virginia in Nashville. There's no reason for Georgia to be playing Oregon in Atlanta. Why in the world is Florida State going to New Orleans to play LSU instead of going to Death Valley? It's ludicrous. So anyway, I think we're going to see that come to an end. You know I'm not a big playoff expansion guy, but I think we're going to get it eventually. And you've seen some of the scheduling reflect that. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of folks who are terrified to schedule true road out of conference games, doubly especially if you're in the SEC. Like a lot of you have hated on the SEC because they never go on the road. They'd be stupid to go on the road. Under the current setup, they'd be stupid to do it. Alabama would be insane if they were regularly traveling on the road out of conference. And I'll tell you why. Because four teams make that playoff and... The college football playoff committee, at least we haven't seen them, properly equipped to interpret the difference in strength of schedule the right way in the sport. You see, if you told me if I were Georgia or Florida, if I were in the SEC, if you were to tell me, hey, that committee at the end of the year, they will be able to distinguish between a three-loss team that challenged themselves out of conference versus an undefeated team that played cupcakes. Well, then I'd feel comfortable scheduling out of conference games. But I don't feel that. You know good and well, if I lose two or three games and you go undefeated, you're going to have a sizable crowd out there that says, you can't leave that undefeated team out. 
You, you, at some point, you are what your record says you are, which is one of the biggest lies in college football. Well, anyway, I say that to say this. When we expand the playoff, which everyone thinks is going to happen, all of a sudden, people feel a little safer scheduling a little more boldly. And if you want to know if I see a ray of sunshine in playoff expansion, maybe it is that. Maybe even though I don't want it, if I get it, at least we get more out-of-conference matchups. But that in and of itself is not the trend I'm talking about. I think we're going to have true home and homes. You've already seen it. You've already seen a lot of these agreements start to be made between programs over the next 10 years, even the next five years. And it's, you know, it's starting with a lot of the SEC teams too. Because some of the other conferences have already been doing it. The SEC was the conference that shied away from it for a long time. I didn't hate on them. You, I grew up down there, so you can call me a homer if you want to. I thought they were smart to avoid it. And as you can see, it's worked out for them. But you're starting to see a lot more of these big-time marquee home-and-home -home matchups announced. And a lot of them down the road in the future, they've been announced. And I think that's just planning for an inevitability, and that is an expanded playoff to where you can afford to go to Notre Dame or go to Texas or go to Virginia Tech. And it's not going to derail you if you lose in a really tough environment and you don't have a safety net under you and no one knows how to perceive that you challenged yourself and you should be rewarded for it. You get the picture. So, yeah, give me that good trend. Give me the trend of more marquee out-of-conference matchups, true home-and-homes. Don't give me games in NFL stadiums. I have no interest in that. Oh, my voice is going. It's that time of year also where uh, if you've been around the show for a, quite a while, you know I have terrible allergies and I sneeze violently. I've never let you hear me sneeze, I don't think, but I have these sneezing attacks where I sneeze like 10 times, 15 times in a row, and it, it rips my vocal cords. So you can tell. I mean, I don't have a whole voice right now, and it, it sucks. It just It's not a fun thing to go through. I don't recommend having bad allergies in the South and also sneezing the way I do. Some of you got that hachoo going on, and I envy you. I sound like, man, I sound like a pregnant rhinoceros when I sneeze. It is god-awful, and everyone can hear it. It just echoes. I live in a more hilly part of Tennessee to begin with, so it's like, ha-poo, poo, poo, poo. And then all of a sudden, you can't talk. And there you go. That's my life every spring. But I still would not live any other place. Still love it down here. But you got to deal with it. I may end up doing like the teacher. Like everyone had that teacher that lost her voice, and you walk in class one day, and She's just talking like this. It's like the way we talk about the off-season. She had to talk like that all day. Ugh, the worst. Okay, so let's try and get through this as best we can, remembering all the while teamwork makes the dream work here at Pate State. Oh, before I forget, let me share with you the DM I told you about. You can tell no one's here producing me. I'm just all by myself. So like I said, we are anti-pointless neutral site games. Tennessee just announced they're going to play Virginia in Nashville. I could walk to this game from my apartment and I'm still against it. That's how you know I'm a man of principle because this would benefit me and I'm still against it. So I got a DM. I mean, this is, this is a classic message I got. So this guy works at the Knoxville airport and he was there when Brigham Young came in there and edged Tennessee a couple of years ago. They won in double overtime. We pick up the DM halfway through. He said, I talked with a number of these fans all morning. Every single one of them at the airport talked about the college football atmosphere at Tennessee and how it compared to other venues they had visited. It was just story swapping all morning. It was awesome. I promised revenge in 2023. I made them board the plane last, but it was awesome. Fast forward to now, and instead of Tennessee fans having the opportunity to travel to Provo to show out for a rematch against a now Power 5 opponent in Brigham Young, 
we're stuck with another neutral site game in Nissan Stadium against a bottom-tier Power 5 school in Virginia. By the way, their sweater vests are a stain on this sport. So that's how the announcement is going over here in the city of Nashville and beyond. Please do the right thing, college football. Please do the right thing. Parker from Springfield, Alabama. Favorite scene or episode from The Office? Very easy. It is Stress Relief Part 1. Now, what I did not know at the time that I do now is they showed that right after the Super Bowl. NBC had the Super Bowl that year, and I didn't watch The Office when it was on TV. I've been a Netflix office guy. Now it's on Peacock, I know, but I did not watch it in real time. So I would not have known that they saved that episode as the one that follows the Super Bowl lead in. Like that, I've worked in TV before. That's the most coveted piece of real estate. If you're like a network TV show, you want to be on the network that has the Super Bowl, and you want your show to be the one that follows the Super Bowl because you have the biggest TV audience in the world, and a lot of them stick around. A lot of them just leave the TVs on. The ad sales, by the way, for those shows are insane. I've watched it happen at the local level. I can't imagine what it's like on the national level, but that's the one where the fake fire drill happens to open the show. That entire sequence, like that two and a half or three minute sequence, I don't care if you've never seen The Office. I don't care if you don't even like The Office. I don't know a human that watches that fake fire drill scene at the very least and doesn't laugh. If you've never seen it before, I would imagine a tear or two appears in your eye. So I recommend that one. Stress Relief Part 1. Next up, Bellafontaine, Ohio checking in. Which conference has the best traditions in your opinion? A lot of you think I'm about to go SEC, but I'm going Big Ten. That's a conference-rich tradition in the SEC. So, I mean, they're not taking a backseat, but I have only recently, in the past few years, been able to go to a lot of Big Ten games. That's why I'm so grateful that I get to do what I do because I can choose any game I want to go to on Saturdays. And whereas I used to be, and this is a very first world problem, I used to be relegated to only going to SEC games. Trust me, there are worse prisons professionally to be in than going to SEC football games for free every Saturday. But now I get to go anywhere. I tell you what I love about the Big Ten. It's, um, I don't know how to exactly describe this. There's just such a rich appreciation for the historical and traditional aspect of the game day experience. So some of the things they do, they've done for like a thousand years. Some of the things they play from the marching band, uh, some of the some of the pregame traditions, some of the chants. I'm not saying they don't have this in other places. I'm saying I feel like it's appreciated and embraced and owned by the crowd more in the Big Ten than any other place I've been. Plus, a lot of those universities, they're just older. They're bigger. The alumni bases are bigger. And so with that in mind, when I go to a Michigan game or an Ohio State game or a Penn State game, oh, it just it slaps you in the face in a good way how much those people embrace the tradition, the game day environment and presentation and tradition. Uh, they know when to be quiet. They know when to make noise. And the other thing, there's kind of a side note here, but it stands out to me as a kid who grew up in the South. In the SEC, I'm not saying one way is right or wrong. I'm saying I prefer what the Big Ten does. In the SEC, every dollar that can be made from the game day presentation is made. Every announcement in the stadium is sponsored. Every square inch that's available of ad space is taken up. So you got logos and branding all over the place. I'm, look, I'm not demonizing the SEC. That's my people. That's my home. That's where I grew up. But when I go to Michigan... When I go to Notre Dame and there's no sign anywhere, you know, there's, there's no Coca-Cola banner. There's no Ford truck banner. They just, they have decided amongst themselves 
There are parts of the game day environment and the, in the in-stadium presentation that we're going to keep pristine. Man, I appreciate that. And as you can clearly tell, those places have turned out okay financially. It turns out they're not hurting for money quite like you think they may because they choose to forego selling some in-stadium advertising. So good on them. I prefer it that way. At Pate State, that's how we choose to run our game day operations. Recruiting, we are SEC through and through. But as far as tradition and the way that we like to present ourselves on Saturdays, we're taking several pages from that Big Ten playbook. Well, let's keep it in the Buckeye State here. Bel Air, Ohio, home of Joey Galloway, by the way. Which college rivalry is on your bucket list? You know, I'm going to go off the radar for this one because I've gotten to check some of the bigger ones off now. I would love to go see Brigham Young, Utah. I don't really care whose stadium it's in. I want to go to both of those anyway. I, you know, one of the things I regret so far, although it's not my fault, it's their fault, is I have not been able to go to games out west. There just, there has not been a time where we've looked at the Saturday slate and I could reasonably justify going out west over what else the Big Ten or SEC or ACC or Big 12 has had to offer. Like I said, that's not my fault. I want to change it. But, you know, you know the old saying around here, my balls are in your court, guys. Now, Utah, I'm not bemoaning them, okay? They've, they've carried the freight. It's been more the conference that they've resided in that's let them down. But I get the distinct impression that Utah and Brigham Young is probably a lot like that dynamic we experienced with Iowa and Iowa State this past year. You know, we went to that game and it was in week two. So, you know, it's a supercharged environment. It was the biggest, it was the biggest game in that series and that rivalry's history. I get the sneaking suspicion that the environment internally around the Utah Brigham Young rivalry, the Holy War, as they call it, I get the feeling that if you were to get inside that bubble and experience it, it would shock you that the rest of the country doesn't talk about it more. I can't know. I've heard people talk about it. I can't personally know because I've only viewed it from a distance, but I get the distinct impression that that thing is off the charts intense and you would look around having been at the Iron Bowl and having been at Ohio State, Michigan, and you'd say, wow, this has got shades of that. Like a lot of this feels like those bigger rivalries. Why isn't this talked about? Well, it's just not two national brands, but that doesn't mean they care. I can promise you those fans in those stadiums on that Saturday, they couldn't care less what someone in Norfolk, Virginia thinks about their matchup. They care what they feel about each other and what they feel about each other, to be perfectly clear, is pure, unadulterated hate. It's such a great thing in football, in sports. It's a great thing. Shake hands on Sunday. But I want to go to Utah versus Brigham Young. If you wonder why I keep saying the name, it has been well documented on this show that I've done everything I can to cover up my regional dialect, or as some of you may know it, a Southern drawl, but it bleeds out with one school acronym, and that is BYU. I can't say the why. I can't round it for the life of me. This is like some of you who can't swim trying to learn to swim. Those of us who can swim look and just say, it's easy, flap your arms, kick your feet. Well, everyone else I know in the English-speaking world can say this no problem. I can't do it. BYU. BYU. That's it. That's how it comes out. So you are Brigham Young to me. So I struggle and struggle. It is struggle bus city. It's almost as hard for me to pronounce that as it is for you to know that this is coming. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Don't get mad. There's no chance you would have seen that coming. I'm in the prime of my career right now when it comes to unexpected ad tosses. So don't get mad. Just appreciate greatness because you are experiencing it right now. I can't vouch for the rest of this show. It may be a disaster, but my skill... My God-given talent, and that is clearly where it comes from, this is God-given, I don't take credit for it, of being able to throw an ad break in your face without ever seeing it coming beforehand, that is truly a special thing. I am five stars, if nothing else, when it comes to the ad toss. Okay, let's continue. Stetson, he asks, from Fort Payne, Alabama, is Georgia-Oregon the biggest game in the opening week? Um, I'm not going to say that yet. It's certainly on the marquee. But I, I don't feel like we have one that stands out above the pack. I know a lot of folks are going to say Notre Dame at Ohio State. That thing's got a fat two-touchdown spread on it. Then again, Georgia-Oregon will approach that. In fact, why am I guessing? I can just pull it up for you. Hold on a second. That was really professional. Tell you to hold on a minute, even though this is recorded and not live. As I said, no producer here. I'm on my own. Okay, here we go. Notre Dame-Ohio State. Buckeyes by 13.5 right now. And then you've got Oregon-Georgia. Georgia favored by 16.5. The reason I have trouble saying that either one of those are the best games of the day is for that reason. I'm not saying upsets can't happen, but I mean, my goodness, if we're going to if we're going to give a game tier one A-list treatment, don't we want to expect it to be more competitive than two touchdowns? So with that in mind, I'm looking at games like Cincinnati, Arkansas. I think that one could be sneaky good. I know it's on a Sunday, but LSU, Florida State down in New Orleans don't like the venue. Although I love the Superdome, just not for the regular season. But who in the world knows what to expect in that game? I'll tell you another one. We were just talking about him. Utah at Florida. Florida, a very short favorite in the swamp. I mean, if Kyle Whittingham and Utah win that game, all of a sudden, I already think they're the favorite in the Pac-12 South, but they could all of a sudden go from being the favorite in the Pac-12 South. This game wouldn't affect that. It's an out-of-conference game. You could all of a sudden be talking about them as having some wiggle room. Maybe being able to lose a game and still make the playoff if they win the Pac-12, that's not always something we've been able to say with Pac-12 teams, is my point. We've also, it's not even week one, it's like August 27th, West Virginia and Pitt. The backyard brawl is back. Pitt, Pitt's got a nice opener, by the way. They got West Virginia, they got Tennessee. Uh, I'll tell you another one, Thursday night game. I don't think it's on the national radar, but this one is probably going to change the time that we start the Thursday night show that week. I'm happy to acquiesce, though. Penn State opens at Purdue. Penn State is favored by three. Okay, obviously there's a lot of pressure on Penn State this year, and that's kind of the way I'm thinking about week one. I'm not a big storyline guy, but think about the stuff you and I have been talking about all spring, the things you were thinking when last year ended. What were we thinking? We were thinking about Penn State. Uh, Even if injury did derail their season, still, they weren't ready. Their backup quarterback wasn't ready. They, They dropped several games against Illinois included at home that they shouldn't be dropping regardless. And so it's going to kind of be a a prove it to me year. But then you had the James Franklin USC rumors. As I said on the show, there was not traction there 
like you were led to believe. That was never James Franklin's job, but people thought it was, so whatever. So he gets the contract redone and reworked again. It's been like a monthly occurrence, it seems like. Good for him, though. And so now we, we, we open up on the road. We go to Purdue. Purdue's got the most workable schedule in the entire Big Ten. This is their toughest game of the year. Stands to reason it could be. Let's say it that way. Could be their toughest game of the year. They don't play Ohio State. They don't play Michigan. They don't play Michigan State. I mean, they've got it set up. What if they beat Penn State? They could have already gotten over the summit in terms of schedule difficulty before Saturday of week one even comes. So that's the way I look at week one. And I haven't really even taken the deep dive. But I do not, uh, to go back to the question, just look at an Oregon Georgia, just because it's two name brands, or even Notre Dame, Ohio State. I don't look at those and automatically go, yep, boom, that's the best in week one. That's why I don't know where I'm going to go in week one yet. Normally, I got that stuff figured out. Like, I'm pretty sure we're going to Texas for Bama, Texas week two. I am far less sure where we're going for week one. What I'm telling you is I can be swayed and my ears are open. Blake, just down the road from me in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, he said... What's the best dark horse Heisman candidate in the SEC not named Will Anderson? Well, Will Anderson is not a dark horse anything. Will Anderson, you know my feelings on Will Anderson. I'm not going to get emotional again, but the man got robbed last year. Zach Evans is the answer to this question. Zach Evans is the dark horse Heisman contender in the SEC. I've been getting some feedback. This is a great time of year to get feedback from coaching staffs and people associated with programs. And they're a little more forthcoming with the information this time of year. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of attention, as there should be, on that Ole Miss transfer portal class. There's a lot of attention on Jackson Dart battling with Luke Altmaier at the quarterback position, as there should be. But if you want to put a bold Heisman futures bet out there, or you want to make yourself sound sharp with your buddies around the water cooler, just start getting on that Zach Evans train. That is a former five-star running back. He went to TCU. He had all kind of red flags next to his name. So far, so good. And he transferred to Ole Miss. And what they saw from him in spring even surprised them a little bit. Uh, He is going to be a stud. If If he can stay out of trouble, which he has, if he can keep his nose clean and he can grind over there, he will be featured in that offense. He will be a guy who gets an opportunity to explode on the field every Saturday this fall. They are salivating at what Zach Evans could be in their offense. (laughs) I just saw the next question here, and I'm just scrolling. I got hundreds of responses here. Wes Shaw hit me and said, Are you willing to admit that if your job wasn't made more convenient by the big noon kickoff, that you would feel the same disdain for the time slot as the rest of us? Here's the backstory there. On the Renaissance Tour this last year, I went on a string of like three or four consecutive games that I went to that were noon Eastern time kickoffs. And it afforded me the opportunity to fly out of the city same day and actually be back in Nashville by the time the late games were happening. And I loved it. I loved it. When I was just a fan, when I was growing up, I loved the primetime games just like most of you do. But now that I do this professionally, I love the noon kickoffs. Love it, love it, because I'm going to be up anyway. I'm going to be there anyway. I just get the added bonus of being able to travel back and not have to travel on Sunday morning and also get a show ready on Sunday morning. But Wes, yeah, you pretty thoroughly exposed me. I'll admit it. It is a selfish reason for me to prefer the noon kickoff, and that's 11 central time, so even better. Uh, but yeah, if, if I'm in the stands, like if I'm attending the game with you guys and we're sitting in 
you know, section 128, row 40, we're using Uncle Jerry's tickets because he and the wife are out of town on their anniversary. And by the way, congratulations to them on 40 great years together. And thanks for the tickets, Uncle Jerry. Yeah, I want 3.30 at the earliest. Okay, I get it. I get all the recreational activity that goes into this stuff. I walk through those tailgates on the way into the stadium. I understand it. I grew up right there with you. However, because I do what I do, yeah, give me those noon games. Now, here's what people are up in arms about. Fox announced they've got the Alabama at Texas game. That was never a mystery. Uh, They just announced it because, well, it's May. So anything you announce about scheduling gets traction. And I think ABC followed up the next day. And so anyway, people know now that that Fox game is going to be the big noon kickoff. So I'm going to be there, I think. Uh, So I love that. Everyone else hates it. Wes has called me out on it. He's not wrong. But then again, I'm not wrong either. None of us are wrong here. But it's going to be like 118 degrees either way. Like I said, doesn't matter. 3.30, noon, all of you are going to look like a dehydrated tomato by the time that one wraps up. The only way you can prevent that is if Fox has big midnight kickoff. Then and only then would you be safe from the onslaught of rays and humidity that greet you that day. Uh, The only thing the locals can hope for is an upset comes along with that. But update time. Got an update for you. We got over 1,000 subs on the YouTube channel last week. That's important because we are driving for 100,000, and I want to get there really quick. And you're getting us there really quick, so I'm, I'm just kind of here to thank you. But do the same thing. The podcast feeds, over 50% of people who listen to this show every week are not subscribed. And it's free to do, and it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. It just helps us. So the YouTube channel and the podcast feed. Some of you don't even watch on YouTube but yet you've given me screenshot evidence that you've gone over there and subscribed just to help the show out. Thank you. And then some of you who are really about that life, you've gone and gotten your family members' devices and done the same thing. Thank you. Yes, I endorse your behavior. I am complicit. We are complicit. We are acting together. Because when we get that show on YouTube to 100,000, some mechanisms are going to be put in motion that I think we're all going to benefit from. I hope I haven't been unclear. So let's get it done. Traffic's insane. Appreciate you guys. We got more people listening to the show right now than there were during last season, which is supposed to be impossible, but yet you've made it possible. I appreciate it. So for all of us here, I'm Josh Pate. Have yourselves a great rest of your day, and God bless. Now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.